What's coming out on the January 6th videos will shock you. This is a special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 349 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron, and thank you to all of our patrons. We appreciate you. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland. It drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Okay, first of all, by the grace of God, we've been able to acquire top-of-the-line video equipment. It's installed. Now all we need is to bring in a couple of interns to help produce the show, and we can make that transition to video. And, man, are we looking forward to that. If you know a young person who's a conservative and is trying to break into television, this would be the perfect opportunity to show what he or she can do. Have him or her contact us at our email address, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Okay, question for you. Did you hear on Tuesday evening, Tucker Carlson on Fox News make this announcement? So for really more than two years now, we've been complaining about, and we think it's justified, the fact that the U.S. Congress has held thousands, tens of thousands of hours of closed-circuit camera footage from the public, they have not released any of it, um, from January 6th. And January 6th, of course, is a transformative event in this country. It's been used to change the country. So there are about 44,000 hours Uh, And we have, you may have read this today, been granted access to that. And we believe that access is unfettered. We believe we have secured the right to see whatever we want to see. So we've been there about a week. Our producers, some of our smartest producers, have been there uh, looking at this stuff and trying to figure out what it means and how it contradicts or not the story that we've been told for more than two years. We think already that in some ways it does contradict that story. And so we're going to spend the rest of this week taking a look at it, assessing it as honestly as we can, and we're going to bring you what we find next week. Oh, yeah, it definitely, the video definitely contradicts the mainstream story that we've been told for over two years. No question about it. I take you now to revolver.news. Revolver.news. Darren J. Beatty's website, Revolver News. Darren J. Beatty's the guy that broke the, uh, the news about Ray Epps. Ray Epps was the clear agent provocateur who encouraged violence, encouraged trespassing in the Capitol, 
was on the FBI's most wanted list for January 6th perpetrators. And when people started identifying him, the FBI took him off the list, never indicted. His home was never raided. That Ray Epps. Okay, so Darren J. Beatty's Revolver News has an article from Stephen Horn, journalist Stephen Horn, confirmed undercover MPD employees acted as agent provocateurs on January 6th. MPD stands for Metropolitan Police Department. That is the local police department for Washington, D.C. And he brings the receipts. He has the photos. He even has video shots. He says, since January 6th, many citizens have wondered if any of the numerous unarrested individuals caught on camera were federal agents or informants. I've been particularly curious about the Metropolitan Police undercover employees in the crowd. The first admission I had seen by the federal government that any sort of undercover agents were present was in a criminal complaint filed against a gentleman named Phi Duong in June of 2021. Now, those specific undercover employees are back in the spotlight with a viral Twitter thread by another January 6th defendant, William Pope. Pope included descriptions of several scenes from a video in which Metropolitan Police Department undercover employees join in crowd chants and encourage people to move toward the Capitol. In reviewing material for my own January 6th case, I have been able to watch the video in question and can confirm that Pope's claims regarding the D.C. police undercover employees' actions and statements are largely accurate. He says, on the morning of January 6th, a Virginia man named Phi Duong, that's F-I-D-U-O-N-G, met a Metropolitan Police undercover employee near the Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C. Duong must have exchanged contact information with the undercover employee as he used the opportunity to introduce Duong to an undercover FBI agent. The FBI agent proceeded to infiltrate a sort of gun club which Duong was a member of. The agent was not able to entice Duong himself into any criminal activity. Duong was only charged with January 6th related offenses, but the agent was able to get another member of the group, a fellow named Adam McLaurie, charged with firearm-related offenses. However, the focus of this article is the actions of the Metropolitan Police Department undercover employees referenced in these two paragraphs. So here are the two paragraphs. On the morning of January 6, 2021, Thi Duong, an associate of his, Associate One, introduced themselves to Metropolitan Police Department undercover employee in the vicinity of Freedom Plaza, Washington, D.C. Duong asked the undercover employee if he slash she was a patriot, to which the undercover employee responded in the affirmative and asked Duong the same question. Duong responded by claiming to be an operator. Later that afternoon, the Metropolitan Police Department undercover employee observed Duong kneeling by a marble fence on the west terrace of the U.S. Capitol building past the line of police officers and the construction scaffolding which were in place on January 6, 2021. 
The location where Duong was observed is known to be within what was a restricted zone on January 6, 2021. Duong and the undercover employee exchanged greetings to one another but did not communicate further. Duong did not appear to be interacting with anyone else. Okay, as reported by Patricia Tolson over at the Epic Times, the Metropolitan Police Department had undercover slash plainclothes employees in the crowd on January 6th to, quote, document the actions of the demonstrators and Metropolitan Police Department's response to any civil disobedience or criminal activity, unquote. It is my understanding that the video referenced in the Pope filing is one of the videos recorded by the Electronic Surveillance Unit and kept as sensitive material in the January 6th evidence archive provided to defendants as Brady material. The video cannot currently be made public as defendants are required to sign a protective order preventing certain sensitive or highly sensitive material from being disclosed. November 2022, William Pope included the following claims as part of a motion to compel the government to give him more access to discovery. Quote, Below is an abbreviated description of the conversations and actions depicted in this undercover officer's footage. As three undercover MPD officers approach the northwest corner of the Capitol grounds around approximately 1.40 p.m., Officer 1, filming, joins the crowd and chanting, Drain the Swamp. Near the northwest walkway, the three undercover officers see men running toward the Capitol. Officer 2 who's wearing black overalls, a black hoodie, and a black bandana, and a red Trump beanie, remarks, those guys are getting shot. Shortly after this, Officer 2 says, I'm going to follow this from a distance. As they walk forward, Officer 2 says, this is amazing. Officer 1 responds, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. Officer 2 then changes his direction, and the three undercover officers head toward the northwest scaffolding. Near the scaffolding, A man asked them, is Trump still walking here? Officer 2 remarks, honestly, I don't think he can walk that far. Let's be honest, he's long-winded, though that's for sure. When protesters reach the top of the stairs and scaffolding, the three undercover officers move forward. Officer 3, a clean-shaven white male who's wearing a blue jacket and a gray beanie, yells, holy expletive deleted. Officer 2 then reiterates his belief that someone is going to get shot. With a wink and a nudge, Officer 3 asks Officer 2 if he wants to go up there too. Officer 2 smiles and says, I'll be honest with you, kinda. Officer 1 says, yeah, and taps them to move forward as Officer 2 laughs about it. When Officer 1 asks the other officers which way they want to go, Officer 2 suggests going up the stairs with protesters. Near the base of the stairs, Officer 1 joins the crowd and chanting, Whose house? Our house. Officer 1 begins yelling at people in front of him to go, go, go. As they climb bicycle racks, Officer 1 yells for the crowd to help him up, help him up. Followed by push him up, push him up. Officer 1 also pushes others in front of him. Wait, he pushes others in front of him. To get them to advance on the Capitol. And he yells, come on, come on, come on, let's go. As those around him climb the bike racks and scaffolding. Needing help to get up, Officer 1 asks a nearby man 
to give him a boost. The man gives Officer 1 a lift up, and Officer 1 says, Thanks, bro. As Officer 1 advances up the stairs, he continues to urge the crowd onward, yelling, Come on, go, 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 followed shortly by, Keep going, keep going. These phrases are repeated as the undercover officer moves forward with the crowd. At one point, Officer 1 encounters a woman trying to go back down the steps, and he discourages her from attempting it. Near the middle of the steps, Officer 1 encounters a man he recognizes wearing a blue jacket and what appears to be swim goggles and a white gargoyle mask with gold teeth. Officer 1 greets the man as Tim, and the plainclothes Tim responds, What's going on, bro? This video clearly evidences undercover law enforcement officers urging the crowds to advance up the stairs and scaffolding toward the Capitol on January 6th. The government may claim that incidents like this did not happen, but the facts show they did. Since the government cannot be trusted to disclose these facts, it becomes even more important that defense teams, including pro se defendants, be able to directly examine the evidence, unquote. Stephen Horn continues here. He says, although I've reviewed the full video, which Pope is referencing, I'll refrain from an in-depth fact check or contextualization of each quote, since I'm unclear whether that would be a violation of the protective order I've signed. I will note two corrections, though. Number one, as the Epoch Times article notes, I'm not sure whether the members of the electronic surveillance unit are technically officers. The individual who encountered Fi Duong is referred to as a Metropolitan Police Department undercover employee in the Duong and McClory filings. Number two, I've been able to confirm that the individual referred to as Tim in the Pope filing is in fact January 6th defendant Fi Duong, not another undercover agent. Conclusion, I believe the video referenced by Pope constitutes perhaps more real and confirmed evidence of federal agents slash employees acting as agent provocateur than any other claims of the sort which have been made since January 6th, including Ray Epps. Unfortunately, we, we still seem to be a long ways from the public or even members of the media being able to review the evidence to determine what role the actions of the undercover government actors had and how January 6th played out. Okay, that was written on Monday, February 20th, before Tucker Carlson made his announcement that, hey, Speaker of the House McCarthy gave us access to over 40,000 hours of videotape, and we're going through it. I hope he has a big staff to go through it. All right, coming up, speaking of Ray Epps, stuff about Ray Epps you haven't heard before. Also, the great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. I have shared with you a lot of information from her, but it's been a while. She is going to give you a perspective, lay a foundation for what to expect from Tucker Carlson and the January 6th videos next week. A lot going on on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you. 
no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online, and if you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental USA, redriverauto.com. You'll be glad you did. It's always a blessing to tell people about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Let me tell you how it works. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar? fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines. The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. They sure help me. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens... Your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it never came back. I had bad migraines year-round. They went away for good, too. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, fibromyalgia, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Or just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com if you're outside of central Arkansas. And click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, as you probably have heard by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. His newest addition, MyPillow 2.0, with brand-new temperature-regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. New fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 is developed to provide a cool surface and engineered for comfort. And because it's a fiber, not a finish, it will last the life of the fabric. My Pillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable. There's a 10-year warranty, a 60-day money back guarantee, and of course it's made right here in the good old USA. My Pillow 2.0. And right now, as an introductory offer, if you use promo code DWS, you get a 2 for 1 deal on My Pillow 2.0. 
Now, my wife and I just love sleeping in our Giza Dreams bed sheets also. Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams sheets. You get a set for as low as $29.98 just by using the promo code DWS. And right now, a set of pillowcases, only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer. For as low as $29.98, get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and those my pillow Giza Dreams sheets. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins even as we speak. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save up to $90 on my slippers, slip ons, and moccasins. Marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Now remember, that doesn't stand for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the old washed-up Democrat politician. No, no, no. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com, where Mike sells all kinds of stuff. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. All right, the great Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com, articles entitled Anatomy of a Cover-Up, the January 6th tapes. She says, Tucker Carlson now has the equivalent of nearly five years of surveillance footage captured by U.S. Capitol Police security cameras on January 6, 2021. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy turned over the tapes to the Fox News host earlier this month. According to Axios, Carlson's producers and researchers are already distilling the footage. The first round of clips is expected to air in a few weeks. Well, he said next week, so we'll see. While some grumble that McCarthy did not fulfill his promise to publicly release the footage, arguably a valid valid complaint, Carlson's team undoubtedly will give the massive trove much-needed context and maximum impact. Carlson released a three-part documentary entitled Patriot Purge, November 2021, that explained how the events of January 6 helped launch a second so-called war on terror against American citizens out of step with the Biden regime. Since early 2021, Tucker Carlson has used his nightly show to expose the cruel treatment of Trump supporters suffering pretrial detention orders. He's raised questions about the use of undercover assets, including FBI informants and the mysterious role of Ray Epps. Asked why the case of the January 5th pipe bomber remains unsolved, and he also demanded the release of the surveillance video as late as last month. Releasing the video never should have been a political fight. After all, the footage was recorded on a taxpayer-paid closed-circuit television system installed on public property to monitor public employees. Contrary to arguments by Capitol Police and the Justice Department, the video belongs to the public, not federal agencies. But both entities, with the help of D.C. District Court judges, have successfully kept the trove largely under wraps for more than two years. Even the FBI and D.C. Metropolitan Police Departments signed agreements 
a few days after the Capitol protest to acknowledge that the tapes technically belonged to Capitol Police. In a sworn statement filed in March 2021, Thomas DiBiase, general counsel for the Capitol Police, insisted the footage constituted security information that required very limited access. DiBiase warned, Our concern is that providing unfettered access to hours of extremely sensitive information to defendants who already have shown a desire to interfere with the democratic process will be passed on to those who might wish to attack the Capitol again. So, as far as this guy is concerned, you're guilty till you prove yourself innocent. But I digress. The Justice Department subsequently designated the tapes as highly sensitive government material subject to protective orders in January 6 prosecutions. It's been a major battle for defendants and their attorneys to properly access all the video tied to their cases. Defendants cannot watch any clips without the presence of a legal authority, and none of the footage can be shared or downloaded. Of course, there have been some exceptions. Capitol Police shared cherry-picked clips with the House Democrats on the second impeachment committee, as well as the January 6th Select Committee. For example, the brief clip of Senator Josh Hawley, Republican Missouri, running through a hallway that afternoon, presumably after the breach was produced from surveillance video. HBO also accessed surveillance footage for its slanted documentary on January 6th. Security concerns my foot. Imagine the universal outrage in any other situation had crucial video of what the government considered a terror attack been kept away from the public for more than two years. Influential opinion pages would have banged the drum incessantly for its release, insisting some sort of cover-up was unfolding. Progressive activist groups and elected officials would demand a full accounting of what happened before, during, and after the so-called attack, including all government-produced evidence. Influential lawyers and legal defense funds would lament the deprivation of due process for those involved in the allegedly heinous act. Instead, the usual defenders of accountability, transparency, and constitutional rights have been completely AWOL. The fight has been waged by outmatched defense attorneys in the rigged legal and judicial system in the nation's capital and a handful of influencers like Tucker Carlson. To be fair, a consortium called the Press Coalition forced a few federal judges to lift protective orders on a small amount of surveillance video. Representing more than a dozen major news companies, the coalition successfully won the release of limited security footage that in some instances contradicted the assertion the police did not allow protesters into the building that afternoon. Unsealed video also showed how police brutalized women inside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. As a matter of fact, I will be interviewing the one that lived. The, the, the time and date, I can go ahead and, and look that up for you. Victoria White is the, uh, was the woman that was brutally beaten by police on January 6th at the Capitol who actually lived to, uh, to tell the story 
and she is scheduled to come on the Doc Washburn Show March 7th, Tuesday, March 7th at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central. Just so you know. Oh, also, um, Robert Spencer's new book, The Sumter Gambit, about how the left is trying to goad the right into a civil war. Uh, he's coming up at uh, 3 Eastern, 2 Central, this Friday, February 24th. All right, now, once again, I digress. In a laughable reality check in his article, Axios reporter Mike Allen suggests that the public has already seen enough surveillance video since the, quote, January 6th committee played numerous excerpts of the footage at last year's captivating hearings, unquote. But not only were most of the evidentiary video clips sourced from protesters' cell phones, the surveillance video clips offered by the committee represented an infinitesimal sliver of the total collection, which notably is much bigger than what the government has made available to January 6th defendants. Axios reported that Tucker Carlson's team has 41,000 hours of raw footage nearly three times the amount that the Justice Department allowed into evidence, which only covered the time period between noon and 8 p.m. on January 6th. The tapes now in Carlson's possession apparently cover the entire 24-hour period from multiple camera angles from all over the Capitol grounds. One can only guess what the videos will reveal. It's possible, even likely, the never-before-seen footage will show the elements of a pre-planned attack engineered by the same political and government forces that attempted to destroy Donald Trump for the better part of six years. Will the tapes finally answer the questions that top law enforcement officials such as FBI Director Christopher Wray refused to answer? And the January 6th Select Committee buried, not the least of which was, what was the role of the FBI? Withholding the video is only one part of the massive cover-up about January 6th. Republicans should seek similar demands for records, emails, and communications from Capitol Police to expose the full scope of the cover-up. But, like all good political scandals, the path to the truth begins with the tapes. Amen. Ain't that the truth? Now, over on Twitter, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. There is video from Officer Harry Dunn. Video of him testifying under oath on Capitol Hill. And my buddy over the JFK report says, newly released footage of January 6th shows that Harry Dunn lied under oath to the investigation committee. Dunn was actively inciting violence and making threats. Nobody called him the N-word. Other officers are seen trying to calm Dunn down as he spewed vulgar, violent language. And there's a screenshot from video here. It says... 
By contrast, during the same period, USCP officer Harry Dunn was having an opposite experience with protesters. This was despite the fact that Dunn was carrying an M4 automatic rifle. At 2.39 p.m., he was captured on a D.C. Metropolitan Police officer's body cam, screaming at and threatening protesters in the crypt. He said, you'll be finished in one blanking minute. You're blanking hurting us. Get the blank out of here. Get the blank out of here. You're hurting us. You're hurting us. Dunn was quickly approached by a U.S. Capitol Police captain who put his hand on Dunn's shoulder, imploring him to calm down. But this is one of these uh, famous so-called hero cops, right? It's gotten so much publicity. JFK report also says they withheld the 40,000 hours because it was extremely uh, brutal. It, it was extreme brutality by the Capitol Police against mostly elderly Americans and women. And there's video of them just beating the living daylights out of Victoria White, who's scheduled to come on my show here in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Now, Rogan O'Handley who goes by D.C. Drano on Twitter, he's got video of the crowd outside of one of these big doors of the Capitol. And he says, did you know the Columbus doors at the U.S. Capitol are 17 foot tall, solid brass, and they weigh 10 tons each? Okay, that'd be 20,000 pounds. He says they're impenetrable. January 6th got crazy around 1 p.m., but you know what happened at 2.08 p.m.? Someone opened the doors from inside, flooding hundreds of people into the federal trap. Who gave that order? He says, you want to know where he was pushing them, though? Now, by he, let me just back up a minute. There's another video of people coming through one of these big Columbus doors, and he says, nothing to see here, just a guy wearing an earpiece, physically forcing people inside the Capitol on January 6th and a woman calling him out on it. Now, this video is already out there, but you haven't seen it yet. He says, I'm sure he wasn't a federal agent of any kind, saying sarcastically. He says, this is why they don't want more video footage released. And then he said, you want to know where he was pushing them, though? The Columbus doors that mysteriously opened at 2.08 p.m., despite being made of solid brass and weighing 10 tons each, someone disabled the magnetic locks just as the chaos was climaxing. The question now is, who gave that order? Well, I'll say, that is definitely the question. Now, Julie Kelly out there on Twitter is saying, imagine what all the angles will show. Police successfully pushed the crowd away from the west side of the building, but cops kept gassing themselves unintentionally. Watch what happens after D.C. Metro officer Rich Cowry misfired a 40-millimeter canister of CS gas at around 225. She says, you can see this toxic cloud travel south and pairing officers who then retreated from the line. Crowd pours closer to building as cops leave. This is also the same time Brian Sicknick was hit with spray. It's almost the exact time the Senate is evacuated. And then she's got 
more video and links to her article from January 24th of this year entitled Police Injured by Friendly Fire on January 6th, subtitle Newly Released Evidence Proves Police Officers Were Gassed by Friendly Fire on January 6th, 2021. Did that include Brian Sicknick? Wow. Okay, coming up, coming up, I've got information about Ray Epps that you probably have not heard before. But let me just throw in a couple of sound, sound bites on what very powerful people in our country are saying about Ukraine. Lindsey Graham, Republican U.S. Senator, Republican name only, U.S. Senator of South Carolina. I like the structural path we're on here. As long as we help Ukraine with the weapons they need and the economic support, they will fight to the last person. That sounds like a man who wants to see a lot of bloodshed. He wants them to fight to the last person. Remarkable. So, Dementia Joe Biden, what is he saying? And let there be no doubt, the commitment of the United States to our NATO alliance and Article 5 is rock solid. And every member of NATO knows it. And Russia knows it as well. An attack against one is attack against all. It's a sacred oath. Sacred oath to defend every inch of NATO territory. Now, he seems to have forgotten that um, Ukraine is not in NATO. That that seems to have gone by the wayside. This is what he said in Poland. And uh, we're also launching a new strategic partnership with plans to build nuclear power plants and bolster Poland's energy, energy security for generations to come. Talk much? So we're going to build nuclear power plants where? Here? Bring down the cost of energy? No, 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 not here, but in Poland. Because we just got money growing on trees. And we're not already over $30 trillion in debt. One more from Biden. And our resolve as well. All across my country, in big cities and small towns, Ukrainian flags fly from American homes. Over the past year, Democrats and Republicans in our United States Congress have come together to stand for freedom. Did you know that there are Ukraine flags on people's homes all across all across the United States of America? I haven't yet seen one, have you? I... I must be missing something somewhere. Huh. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's all inside Joe's head. Yeah, he's uh, he's daydreaming. All right, coming up, uh, new stuff on Ray Epps. Look, have you heard AT&T has lost billions on Wall Street? Maybe people were upset that their satellite channel, their satellite 
network system that they own, DirecTV, got rid of One American News last year and then got rid of Newsmax recently. So maybe people said, hey, we're done with DirecTV and we're done with AT&T as a cell phone carrier. Now, if you're looking to get out of your agreement with AT&T or any of the other big, woke, liberal cell carriers, I got a perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they have a coverage guarantee. That's right. They're going to make sure that you got the cell phone coverage that you need. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. I'm not a veteran or first responder, but I am a multi-line user, and boy, am I saving money on Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping you fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation at PatriotMobile.com. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. So, have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? There are five profound benefits of investing in precious metals. Number one, it's a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, two words, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset commodity or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew's been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from our friend General Michael Flynn, and we're glad we did. And by the way, when you contact Beverly Hills Precious Metals, be sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts, 
Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To find out more about Andrew and his team, go to their website, bh-pm.com. That stands for Beverly Hills-PreciousMetals.com. bh-pm.com. If you can't remember that, just look up Beverly Hills Precious Metals on the Internet. doesn't matter what search engine you use. It's the first thing that comes up. Let them know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals and an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pn.com or just look up Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Now, I've been telling you for quite some time about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? Well, what can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally... We can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with a woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. And now, an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of the Montana, near the Yellowstone, this beef is known as never ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or even vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com when they ask how you heard about us. Click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, let's check out Ray Epps. They ever going to indict this fellow? I mean, on the for reals, are they ever going to do anything with this guy? The great Raheem Kassam, is he still uh, Is he still the uh, co-host with Steve Bannon in War Room? I think so. He's got an article out entitled, Ray Epps' January 6th interview gets even weirder than his text that said, I orchestrated it. Okay, let's check it out. 
He says, Ray Epps' January 6th interview is bizarro world. The entire thing reads like an exculpatory public relations effort replete with assistance from committee members more concerned with helping Epps clear his name than getting to the bottom of his actions that day. But Epps' interview is even stranger than those CYA attempts. Representative Schiff, Murphy, Aguilar, and Kinzinger were present during the interview finally conducted on January 21, 2022, after months of work by Darren Beatty's Revolver News, among others, which brought Ray Epps' activities on January 5th and 6th to light. Here are the top 12 strange standout moments from Ray Epps' testimony. Number one, directing Antifa. Ray Epps says early on that he was a member of the Oath Keepers, but that he left because national leader Stuart Rhodes was trying to direct Antifa. Now, it's amazing how within just a few questions, Epps is already attempting to prove his credentials in the arena of not being an entryist or a Fed by laying out how organizations he was a part of engaged in Fed-style entryist act tactics. How convenient. All right, you're going to make me look it up. Entryist. Come on, man, don't use words I've never heard. I've been around for a while. I've heard most words. Uh, entryism is a political tactic by which an organization or state encourages its members or agents to infiltrate another organization in an attempt to gain results or take over entirely. Oh, well, that makes sense. So Raheem Kassam says it's amazing how within just a few questions, Ray Epps is already attempting to prove his credentials in the area of not being a federal infiltrator of a group by laying out how organizations he was part of engaged in federal-style infiltration tactics. <laughs> how convenient. Okay, he recalls. I think it was Portland. It was Portland. I think that's when Antifa had first come out. And we were seeing a lot of things. They were burning things and doing different things on the news. And he thought it would be wise, talking about Stuart Rhodes, the head of Oath Keepers, if we were to go there and try to direct, uh, get in with them and direct them to do other things, other ways. I didn't agree with that, so we kind of split ways. Oh, I see. The person questioning Ray Epps at this point, whose name is redacted, hurries along from the matter remarkably quickly. The person says, got it. So now I want to fast forward from the couple of years you were in the Oath Keepers to the 2020 general election. Okay, hold on a minute. This is a self-professed member of the Oath Keepers who was on the front lines of January 6th telling you about their organization's infiltration attempts, and you want to fast forward? Huh. A few moments later, Representative... Adam Kinzinger revisited the topic. He says, when you talked about the Antifa side of things, were you saying his goal was to kind of infiltrate and influence like partner, or was it kind of influence and sabotage or stray differently? Ray Epps' answer, I believe he was going to try to turn them to our way of thinking. Oh, good luck with that. Now, this is the first of many attempts to establish a fact pattern that suggests Ray Epps himself would never think of infiltrating and sabotaging. 
In fact, you'll never see Kinzinger be so nice to a supposed Trump supporter as he is throughout this interview to Ray Epps. Okay, number two, a father-son trip. One of the 12 weird things about Ray Epps' testimony. This one is a recurring red flag because Epps claims he originally refused to go to D.C. on January 6th because his wife convinced him there might be trouble and that his son might need help. Huh? What assistance an elderly man might offer his adult son traveling with his friends is not made clear. By page 13, though, we learned that Epps' wife had booked his travel but had not booked him anywhere to stay. As a result, Epps ended up sleeping on his son's bed at the Washington Marriott while his son Jim's friend slept on the floor. Ray told the committee it was going to be a great vacation and get to see the sights and show him what I had done with my father earlier in life. Number three, tourniquets. Now, if you take tourniquets on vacation with you, please let me know in the comments, he says. Ah, this is funny. Because tourniquets don't sound like my idea of a great vacation. And yet by page 15, we learned that Ray Epps was texting someone named Nathan Jones for tourniquets, combat gauze, and breathing tubes. Seriously. And he has this, he has a screenshot. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that Ray Epps is then asked, so it's supposed to be a fun kind of family vacation, but we also see you packing first aid? Epps replied, like I said before, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. At this point, Adam Kinzinger chimes in with yet another highly implausible comparison in an attempt to get Ray Epps off the hook for this bizarre behavior. Kinzinger says, just Mr. Epps, again, just... Would the mindset be comparable to, for instance, I pretty much, wherever I go, I conceal carry? I certainly hope I never have to use it, but I have it just in case. Huh? Carrying tourniquets, gauze, and breathing tubes to the nation's capital during a family vacation is the same thing as conceal carrying? Eh, pull the other one. Number four in the list of 12 weird things from Ray Epps' testimony to the January 6th committee. Number four, who is Paul Carver? Speeding on past this strange behavior as the committee did, we find ourselves hearing about one Mr. Paul Carver on page 22. Question, and when you returned back to D.C., what did you all do? What were your next steps that day? Ray Epps' answer, it was kind of difficult because there weren't a lot of restaurants open. So I'm trying to, oh, yeah, 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 I do remember. We had a gentleman that kept trying to call me while we were gone. He's from Arizona, and I don't, just a second, I can't find it here. I believe his last name was Carver. He had called several times to try to reach us, so I called him back. He wanted to meet us for dinner, and I had met him one other time at a VFW, and I didn't really remember him, but that's okay. So we met at a small restaurant and had dinner. Question. So we saw in your call records an individual named Mr. Paul Carver on January 5th. Is that the individual that was calling you? Ray Epps answer, it was Paul Carver. Yes, sir. Question. Take us through what happened. What did you all do after 
you did with Mr. Carver. Raheem Kassam says, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean after dinner with Mr. Carver? There's some random dude who Ray Epps says he doesn't know who's calling him and trying to meet up all day, and then they meet up and have dinner, and there are no immediate questions about who this person was? The only other reference to this comes way down on page 74, where Ray Epps is asked, and Mr. Carver, does he work for the FBI or CIA or NSA, to your knowledge? And Ray Epps replies, not that I'm aware of, sir. Oh, okay. The questioning quickly turns to the infamous scenes of Ray Epps at Black Lives Matter Plaza before briefly looping back to Carver. Ray Epps says, I hadn't talked to him before, before that. I mean, I, I, I don't know how he would know that we were in D.C., but he kept trying to call me. So when he talked to me, he found out I was in D.C. He may have known. I, I don't know how he would have found out because I, I had not talked to him before that since I met him the first time. In fact, I don't know who he was, but he was from Arizona. He was calling me, and we met up. So the questioner says, okay, thank you. But Raheem Kassam says, what do you mean, okay, thank you? This random dude from Arizona is calling Ray Epps all day. Epps claims he has no idea who the guy is, decides to have dinner with a stranger anyway, despite claiming to be such a cautious person that he travels with first aid supplies. And the trail of questions on that matter ends there? Uh... Number five on the list of 12 weird things from Ray Epps testimony, we need to go into the Capitol. At this point, it's worth revisiting some of Ray Epps's best of moments from January 5th and 6th as his explanation in his testimony stretches credulity and indeed, as some on social media have noted, he appears to have actually further implicated himself in subsequent text messages to his family. Yeah, the great Congressman Thomas Massey has a tweet from December 30th, 2021. Embedded in it is video of Ray Epps. Massey says, how many January 6th protesters were actually working for the federal government? In October, I asked Attorney General Garland while he was under oath, and he refused to answer. He looked very nervous and worried when I showed him this video in that hearing. We need to go into the Capitol! Into the Capitol! Gee, I wonder why they haven't indicted this guy who was getting people stirred up and um, trying to get people who they have indicted to go into the Capitol. I wonder why they haven't indicted him. I just, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, there's there's got to be some reason <laughs> they haven't yet indicted this guy, but I just, 
for the life of me. I just can't quite figure it out. Okay. Raheem Kassam continues. So here we see Ray Epps on the night of the 5th after his dinner with stranger Paul Carver and after ostensibly both meeting up with his son and his friend at Black Lives Matter Plaza and then becoming separated again. This happens very often for someone traveling specifically to protect his son. Ray Epps is asked by the January 6th committee, you said you may get arrested for saying this, that the group needs to go into the Capitol the next day. Why do you think you could be arrested for saying what you were saying? Epps replied, I didn't. I was trying to to get some common ground. So in other words, Reem Kassam says, gaining the trust of the crowd to try to influence them, the same tactic he claims he left the Oath Keepers over, He further explains, I got caught up in the moment. Before going on to state that, A, he secretly believed the U.S. Capitol would be open to visitors the next day. No one believes that, by the way. And, B, that he did not hear them chanting, Fed, 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 in response to his suggestion. As you can see from the video, they were chanting it about 10 centimeters from his face. Another ridiculous stretch of credulity. Well, yeah, because I watched, and obviously he looked disappointed and depressed when they screamed fed, fed, fed in his face. Like, oh, no, they're on to me. Raheem Kassam continues, and so like clockwork on page 28, in steps Representative Adam Kinzinger, who says, it seemed to me that the crowd around you, their focus at that moment, was basically trying to incite violence that night. You were trying to stop violence that night. Is that an accurate assessment on my end? Ray Epps, yes, sir. Kenzinger. Okay, that's all I have for the moment. Thank you, sir. Raheem Kassam says, huh? He's on camera inciting an invasion of the Capitol, and Kenzinger's takeaway is that he was trying to stop violence? Even if the next day's events hadn't transpired the way they did, that's an impossible conclusion, conclusion to reach, given the evidence. The new Republican-controlled Congress should immediately subpoena Adam Kenzinger himself and force him to publicly account for this ridiculous conclusion slash cover-up. See also page 31. Some people in the crowd started chanting fed towards you. Do you remember that? Ray Epps says, I don't. I even asked my son. I had a hard time believing it at first. I thought it might have been dubbed in or something. I, I didn't hear it. My son said he didn't hear it. To which Raheem Kassam responds, utter blanking rubbish. Number six. On a list of 12 weird things from Ray Epps' testimony. Are you a Fed, Mr. Epps? At this point, instead of pressing Ray Epps on the ludicrous claims over the night of the 5th, the conversation turns into yet another attempt to clear him of any collusion with authorities. Question. At any point on January 5th, so we've asked you this question about December 27th through January 4th, but now let's just focus in on January 5th. Did you coordinate or speak with any law enforcement officials from the FBI? Epps, no, sir. Metropolitan Police Department? Epps, no, sir. CIA or NSA? Epps, no, sir. It goes on like this. Except remember, Epps has dinners with strangers who call his cell phone, and he also can't hear when someone is shouting fed in his face from a tourniquet's length away. Number seven, midnight. 
On page 33, we learned that Epps' son, Jim, had texted his dad asking, asking if he was still out at Black Lives Matter Plaza. Question. It looks like you had a lengthy 140 seconds. So what's that? That's not even three minutes. Conversation with your son just after midnight. Is that possible you guys are separated still at that point, and were you back in the hotel room? Epps, yes, it is possible. I had to walk back. Okay, he had to walk back. Does that account for the near two-hour difference between when Epps' son texted him and when he appears to reach the hotel? Not really. Something else strange happens at this point in the conversation. The questioner asks for a break, and when they return, Epps has additional counsel. We know that Epps says he stayed at the Washington Marriott. Well, there are indeed a few Marriott's in D.C., but not a lot of Washington Marriott's. There are courtyards by Marriott, AC hotels by Marriott, etc. But insofar as hotels named Marriott, there are three biggies. The Washington Marriott, the Washington Marriott Georgetown, and the JW Marriott is indicated below. He's got a map. There's also the new Marriott Marquis attached to the D.C. Convention Center where you see the unconventional diner on the map. Okay, great. The walk from Black Lives Matter Plaza to Washington Marriott takes 10 minutes. The walk from Black Lives Matter Plaza to the JW Marriott takes 12 minutes. The walk between the JW Marriott and the Washington Marriott is 8 minutes. So unless Epps really got turned around and walked 10 blocks in the wrong direction to the Georgetown Marriott or 20 minutes to Marriott Marquis several times over, the idea that the two hours is accounted for by trying to find his hotel 10 minutes away makes little sense. He might have ambled around, but remember, this is an old dude in a strange city who was just in a fracas with randos at Black Lives Matter at midnight. His son even texted him at 10.30 p.m. asking his whereabouts, but on page 38, we learned that Epps was still making calls at 12.17 and 12.19 a.m. to his son and his brother, Scott or Daryl, he oddly can't remember which brother, respectively. This time period, broadly unaccounted for, is never further explored by the committee, but within six hours or so, the trio, Epps, his son, and his son's friend, Zach, were outside the White House ready for the rally at the Ellipse. Number eight on the list of 12 weird things about Ray Epps's testimony, Marines are always in the front. On page 42, Epps says the three of them stayed all the way up to President Trump, which is an odd thing to do for someone who traveled across the country from Arizona, ostensibly in part to hear President Trump speak. Why even wait at the ellipse at 6 a.m. if you're just going to leave when the keynote speaker started? To their mild credit, this question was asked by the committee, though the answer raises more questions. Question. Why did you leave when President Trump started speaking? Epps' answer? There was a group that started running toward the Capitol. I mean, they were moving quite fast, and so I just thought, you know what? I want to be in the front. I'll get up there. And on the way there, I noticed that it was some some of the same people that were there on the night before. They had blowhorns. They were trying to incite people and stir things up. I thought it important that I get up there, and I did. Raheem Kassam says, right. Because the guy who couldn't find the Washington Marriott for two hours was going to single-handedly stop a running group. Coincidentally, the same people from last night, 
from breaching the Capitol. But wait, it gets more ridiculous. Ray Epps says, I wasn't walking with anybody. I called a few people out on the way there that had megaphones, you know, megaphones that were trying to incite things and, you know, tried to get them to stop, and then we were at the Capitol. Now, Raheem Kassam says, this is some grade-A horse manure for several reasons. Number one, revisit the video above. Epps is the one directing people to the Capitol. Number two, he claims to have reached there in 20 minutes. No, that's about a 35-minute walk without crowds. Number three, he admits that despite flying to Washington to protect his son, he was once again separated from his son at this point. Page 45, he says, I don't know where they were. And again, do remember, this is the guy who took two hours to find the Washington Marriott, suddenly managing to sprint through a heaving crowd to the Capitol um, and call a few people out on the way all within 20 minutes. That, that is impressive. But wait, there's more. On page 46, we're treated to some real Ray Epps gold. He has asked, you said you wanted to get out in front, but what were you trying to get out in front of as you started walking toward the Capitol? Epps' answer? Well, there's a few different reasons. One, we were freezing our butts off. It was cold out. If we were going to get in the Capitol, I wanted, to be in, I wanted it to be inside. My son since has referenced the same thing. We weren't dressed properly for it. Raheem Kassam says, now remember, this is Mr. Always Prepared we're talking about. The guy with the tourniquets, whose wife sent him to protect their precious boy. He says he wanted to get inside the Capitol because he was cold. The next part, I promise you, despite how it sounds, is not even a joke. Ray Epps continues, two... I didn't want any fighting to break out or any, you know, it going in the wrong direction. Marines are always in the front, not in the back. Yeah, okay, Ray. Marines are always in the front, but not because they're cold. Of course, just when you think you cannot suspend any more disbelief on this, Representative Adam Kinzinger pipes in, writer's note, I feel as if I've started to write satire or fiction now, but this is all real. Kinzinger says, Mr. Epps, would you say that was a pretty high adrenaline moment, kind of, you know, a lot going on, you're trying to take in a lot of details and act? And also, was there still maybe a concern at this point in the back of your mind that there could be, and I know I keep going back to this, but there could maybe be Antifa seated throughout trying to provoke something bigger? Was that a concern? Kinzinger, in other words, is both accidentally right about Antifa presences on January 6th, but also attempting to allow Ray Epps an escape from his own behavior, in his own words, being out front and inside the Capitol. Number nine, I also orchestrated it. This is the part so many have already zoned in on. Epps has asked, so it looks like around 9 a.m. your nephew texts you, and then at 2.12 p.m. you text back, Quote, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it, unquote. Boom. Surely, case closed. Ray Epps admits in writing, in his own words, in his own text, 
to his own family to orchestrating actions on January 6th after dinner with a stranger, hours missing the night before, and, of course, the plethora of video evidence showing him personally inciting riots and criminal actions. Charge him? Surely. But no. For reasons we are never told, Ray Epps is both a free man and being treated very kindly by Adam Kinzinger. Question, what do you mean by orchestrate? What did you orchestrate? Ray Epps' answer. I just mean that I got, you have to understand our relationship, uncle, nephew, we hunt together, we have fun with each other. We do that kind of stuff. What I meant by orchestrate, I helped get people there. Raheem Kassam says, wait, what? Was that Joe Biden responding? What does this relationship with his nephew have to do with it? What does we have fun with each other mean? Or perhaps bigger, still, how does orchestrate mean help get people there? without also meaning incitement. Those questions will obviously be asked next by the enterprising representatives of the January 6th committee, right? Wrong! The most Epps got back was, I'm just trying to understand why that word orchestrated was used because it sounds like you're sort of adopting the whole thing, including the stuff that you were walking away from. Actually, it's the stuff he incited. Who cares about verbiage, huh? It's not like we're attempting to investigate the so-called greatest attack on American soil since 9-11 or whatever else they're calling it nowadays. It's like having Mohammed Atta on the stand and asking him if traffic to the airport was bad. Ray Epps equally bizarrely responds, You would have to understand the relationship between me and my nephew. It's just, yeah, I took credit for it, but I didn't know what I was taking credit for. Right, there it is. Again, an admission. Book him, Dano! But again, no, nothing. Not one attempt by the January 6th committee to actually hold someone accountable who admitted to being involved multiple times. Ray Epps says on page 65, I shouldn't have used that word. He's asked in response, what's a better word now? He says, I helped get people there. Well, the reply is, of course, incredible. The reply? Oh, I see. Fair enough. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, that's fair enough, is it? What about the hundreds of detainees held without charge or release and who have been treated like dogs for doing far less than Ray Epps did that day? Is it fair enough for them? Is it fair enough to the people whose lives have been irretrievably ruined by that day? Is it fair enough to history and the public record that this kabuki theater is allowed to sail by unridiculed, unfisked, and unabated? Number Ten in the list of 12 strange things from Ray Epps' January 6th committee testimony. More strangers. You're 3,500 words and 69 pages in with just 500 words to read. So you might as well stick this out. Believe me, this is the brief version. The full document is 25,000 words. You're welcome. Does the below seem odd from a guy worried about infiltrators and trouble? And so we have a screenshot, and this is the highlighted part. Somebody told me you need to take your Trump your Trump hat off and hide it. I said, why? And they said, well, they just shot two Trump supporters down the street and because they had their Trump stuff on. So I put that away. 
I found a gentleman that had just pulled up. He had a Trump hat on. He was in a car, and I told him, I'd be glad to pay you to take me to my room. But we just had a shooting down the street, and they shot two Trump supporters, so he said he would do it. He didn't want to be paid. He took me to my hotel, and I went upstairs. Raheem Kassam says, oh, yeah, someone told me they were shooting Trump supporters. So I got in a car with a random Trump supporter, but also people were infiltrating and pretending to be Trump supporters. And this Trump supporter didn't know I was a Trump supporter because I had taken off my hat on account of the shooting of Trump supporters. But he still agreed to drive me to my hotel, which we couldn't find. Vastly plausible. Number 11. I'm not sure how you got that. By now, you understand the importance of going through all this. The next few pages concern the text messages Ray Epps received on the days in question. See if this line of questioning feels appropriate to you. Question. Mr. Carver, does he work for the FBI or CIA or NSA to your knowledge? Epps, answer. Not that I'm aware of. Question. Do you recognize a Mr. Christopher Hupke? Epps, answer. This is something to do with Twitter and something to do with Twitter. I don't know what it is. I didn't open it, and I haven't responded. Questioner? Thank you. Another question. There were two incoming text messages at around 3.52. They actually might be the same text messages because they're both at the exact same time from a redacted number. You did not respond back, but do you know what this, this number is? Ray Epps answer, I do not. Questioner? Okay. Another question. And then the last number where we saw outgoing and incoming texts was a redacted number. We have done our own research on this, and there's been public reporting that this sometimes shows up on people's phone records. And it's not a specific number for anyone. It just sometimes shows up on phone records. So, Epps answer, I have never heard of it. I couldn't find it on my phone either. I'm not sure how you got that. Raheem Kassam says, do any of these seem like normal interactions over phone records, incoming calls, or texts, or am I off my chump? I guess that's British. I don't know what that means. For instance, what do you mean a number just shows up on call records? And how are these interviewers not following up on records for which Epps claims to have no further information? Not even, hey, well, would you mind looking into that for us and figuring out who you talk to, please? Nope. It's just... uh Instead, it's just, uh, okay, cool, no worries. Number 12, last but not least, in the list of 12 strange things from Ray Epps' January 6th committee testimony. We're off the record, right? On page 96, the conversation comes to a close. But not without one more acutely awkward moment between Epps' counsel and his interviewer. Enjoy. So... Here's the highlighted part. Mr. John uh, Blishek, who apparently is Ray Epps' attorney. He says, I just wanted to comment. I'm just a little bit envious of that nice couch you got in your office. I don't have that in my office. I mean, damn, I got to go to Washington, D.C., then Mr. Epps says, I've got got a quick question. And then name redacted says, Mr. Epps, yes. Mr. Epps says, I okay, we're off the record, right? 
name redacted says, let's go off. We're off the record. Correct. Yes, we've gone off the record. And that's the end of it. Raheem Kassam says, perhaps I've lost my mind, but none of Epps' testimony rings normal to me. None of it carries the same tone as other interviews given to the January 6th committee. There's no probing. Epps is hurried along between timelines and subjects. He offers bizarro explanations and is never pulled up on them. And more than anything, more questions are raised as a result of this interview than those that were answered. Were any answered? Is Ray Epps still searching for the Marriott Hotel? Has he found his son yet? Is he at a local ball game in Arizona with a fanny pack loaded with gauze and breathing tubes? Maybe we'll find out when they admit Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy. In the meantime, there's something far more pernicious about this interview than I had even imagined when it was first quietly released. He says, read the whole thing for yourself if you wish, and he links to it. He says, don't forget to share this article and comment below. Now, again, this is uh, Raheem Kassam, Steve Bannon's co-host over at the War Room, at raheemkassam.substack.com. And it's, it's just remarkable to me. So, for some reason... For some reason, we're just supposed to uh, disregard the whole thing, right? We're just supposed to act like everything's fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. But you know what? I, uh, I just can't. What I can do, though, is say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. Including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to. Online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere. In a continental USA. And today's Tweet of the Day, Jack Posobiec. The great Jack Posobiec over Human Events has a clip from the uh, South Park cartoon show. They're making fun of Harry and Meghan. According to Fox News, Harry and Meghan are considering suing South Park. Yeah, good, good luck on that, especially since they're saying that this is a prince and princess of Canada, uh, not Harry and Meghan. Anyway, it goes something like this. Toronto, it's good morning, Canada. It has been several months now since our beloved queen has died. Our Canadians are finding it hard to go on. All Canadians, that is, except for our first guest, the prince and his wife. We, we want privacy! We, we want privacy! Hey, thanks for having us on the show. It's so awesome to be here. It's great. So let me start with you, sir. You've lived a life with the royal family. You've had everything handed to you, but you say your life has been hard, and now you've written all about it in your new book, We. Yes, that's right, friend. You see, my wife and I... I'm totally like, you should write a book because your family's like stupid and then so are like journalists. So you hate journalists. That's right. 
And now you wrote a book that reports on the lives of the royal family. Right. So you're a journalist. We just want to be normal people. All this attention is so hard. Isn't it true, sir, that your questionable wife has her own TV show and hangs out with celebrities and does fashion magazines? What are you suggesting? Well, I just think some people might say that your Instagram-loving wife actually doesn't want her privacy. How dare you, sir? My Instagram-loving wife has always wanted her privacy. And you know what else? To with Canada, we are leaving. We'll go find some quiet place where we can be normal people. Come on, wife. We want privacy. We, we want privacy. We want privacy. Oh, my. That's a mess. Today's Tweet of the Day is brought to you by Red River Auto. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to. Online, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. You've been listening to episode 349 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. But they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at our email address, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempio the 10th, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, February 21st, 2023.